Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Bubble Hour, where real people tell real stories of addiction and recovery. Um, this is Amanda, and tonight I will be chatting with my co-hosts, Jean and Catherine. Hi, ladies. Hi, Amanda. Hey, Amanda. How are you tonight? Very good. Super. Beautiful I just day ate the biggest today, number. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very crazy day today. And um, um, tonight we also have a get- our guest, Chrissy on the show. Hi, Chrissy. Welcome to the Bubble hey, Hour. Thank you. Hey, Chrissy. Hi. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the our guest tonight. Um, and so tonight we are going to talk about codependency. Have you ever wondered why you can't seem to maintain a healthy relationship? Do you feel like people take advantage of your kind-hearted and uh, kind heart and generosity? Do you feel a sense of responsibility for your loved one's happiness? If any of these questions ring true for you, you may be a codependent. Um, I know I didn't realize how much I was one until I researched the show, so um, this is going to be interesting tonight. Um, so first I thought I would, I thought it would be helpful to talk about what codependency is because I know, as I said, I had no idea I was such a codependent and really didn't even know what the term meant until I got into recovery. Um, but when I was growing up and going through the typical roller coaster of relationships, I remember my mother used to say to me, you know, you can never truly have a healthy relationship until you learn to love yourself first. And um, that is, to me, a very simple way of explaining codependency. So I looked it up in the dictionary just to see what they had to say about it, and they define codependency as a psychological condition or a relationship in which a person is controlled or manipulated by another who is affected with a pathological condition, as in addiction to alcohol or um, drugs. Broadly, it is uh, defined as dependence on the needs of or control by another. I also found some very helpful information on a website called mentalhealthamerica.net. And they define codependency as a learned behavior that can be passed down from one generation to another. It is an emotional and behavior, behavioral condition that affects an individual's ability to have a healthy, mutually satisfying relationship. It is also known as relationship addiction because people with codependency often form or maintain relationships that are one-sided, emotionally destructive, and or abusive. The disorder was first identified as a result of years of studying interpersonal relationships in families of alcoholics. Codependent behavior is learned by watching or imitating other family members who display this type of behavior. Um, So who does codependency affect? Codependency affects a spouse, a parent, a sibling, a friend, a coworker, um, anyone of that associated with a person afflicted with alcohol or drug dependence. 
Originally, codependent was a term used to describe partners in chemical dependency, persons living with or in a relationship with an addicted person. Similar patterns have been seen in people in relationships with chronically or mentally ill individuals. Today, however, the term has broadened to describe any codependent person from any dysfunctional family. Um, and, you know, we could get into defining a dysfunctional family, but I think we're all familiar with that. You know, any any situation where there's some abuse or some neglect, um, there's lots of um, types of dysfunctional families. So how do codependent people behave? Uh, codependents have a low self-esteem and look for anything outside of themselves to make them feel better. They find it hard to be themselves. Some try to feel better through alcohol, uh, drug, or nicotine and become addicted. Others may develop compulsive behaviors like workaholism, gambling, or indiscriminate sexual activity. They have good intentions. They try to take care of a person who is experiencing difficulty, but the caretaking becomes compulsive or, and defeating. Codependents often take on a martyr role and become benefactors to an individual in need. A wife may cover for an alcoholic husband. A mother may make excuses for a truant child. A father may pull some strings to keep his child from suffering the consequences of delinquent behavior. Um, The problem is that these repeated rescue attempts allow the needy individual to continue on a destructive course and to become even more dependent on the unhealthy caretaking of the benefactor. As the reliance increases, the codependent develops a sense of reward and satisfaction from being needed. When the caretaking becomes compulsive, the codependent feels choiceless and helpless in the relationship, but it is unable to break away from the cycle of behavior that causes it. Codependents view themselves as victims and are attracted to the same weakness in the love and friendship uh, in the love and friendship relationships. So, some typical characteristics of a codependent people are um, an exaggerated sense of responsibility for the actions of others, a tendency to continue, um, sorry, a tendency to confuse love and pity with the tendency to love people they can pity and rescue a tendency to do more than their share all of the time, you know, people who volunteer all, for everything, a tendency to become hurt when people don't recognize their efforts, an unhealthy dependence on relationships. The codependent will do anything to hold on to a relationship to avoid the feeling of abandonment, an extreme need for approval and recognition, a sense of guilt when asserting themselves, a compelling need to control others, lack of trust in self and or others, fear of being abandoned or alone, difficulty identifying feelings, I can't say this word, (laughs) rigidity, difficulty adjusting to change, problems with intimacy and boundaries, chronic anger, lying, dishonesty, poor communications, and difficulty making decisions. So those are some of the basic, you know, some basic information about codependency. Um, And so what I'd like to do now is invite our guest Chrissy into the conversation and um, so that we can all talk about the topic. So Chrissy, again, welcome to the Bubble Hour. And I was hoping that we could start off by having you share a little bit about yourself. Okay, thanks, Amanda. Um, Hey, everyone. Thanks again so much for having me on the Bubble Hour tonight. Um, A little about me. I'm 34 years old. I'm married. I have three beautiful dogs, um, no children. And um, I'm pretty new to sobriety. I think today is day 43. 
so I'm very new to all this, although I've known, pretty much I've known for a couple of years now that I've had an issue. Um, I've tried to moderate. I've tried to quit completely. I've done all the things you hear about. Um, I really I don't have an original story, although a couple of months ago I did think I was original and nobody else was like me because I could drink a bottle plus of wine every night and go to work the next day and be just fine, and nobody knew I had a problem. And, you know, I was the only person that could handle my alcohol like that. So, you know, I thought I was special. Um, But I've learned in the past couple of months that I'm not and that that's that's the story of a lot of people out there. And it's just been, it's it's really kind of brought brought me to a level where I'm starting to understand myself better and understand that, the things I thought about myself and where I was trying to put myself, it was actually lowering me, if that makes any sense at all. I realized that my codependency and and my issues were clashing with my alcoholism and making things just horrible for my life. Um, About six months ago, I I never had a low bottom. I'm very lucky. I was, um, you know, I still have my house. I have everything. I'm extremely lucky. Um, But I did hit a bottom in which I got very depressed. I got to the point where I quit doing anything that I enjoyed doing and all I wanted to do was come home, drink, cry, and go to sleep. Um, And it it got really bad for a while. Um, I just remember crying to my husband one night and telling him that I just couldn't keep going like this, that I just couldn't take it anymore. Um, I started going to therapy and, you know, told her all the things, oh, you know, I'm just depressed, oh, I just don't have any friends, oh, I just... You know, things like that, and everything and anything except for I have a problem drinking. I did not want to say those words because I didn't have a problem. And I fought it and fought it and fought it. And I guess um, in April, I finally just sat in my therapist's office and just broke down and I cried for an hour and I finally said the words, I'm an alcoholic. And it was just the hardest thing I've ever done. But in the last couple of months, it has been amazing what it's changed in my life. So I'm very, very happy to be there. I guess a little about me. Um, Again, not an original story, but it's my story, and and I'm enjoying the journey that it's taking me on right now. Oh, that's awesome. About me. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that. Well, thank you. And um, you know, it's 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 a a hard um, thing to admit. You know, to finally come around to say, you know, you see all those things that are going wrong in your life, and you know, the last thing that we want to admit is that it's our best friend alcohol that's uh, causing it. So, you know, it's very courageous of you, and and welcome to sobriety. It's 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 a wonderful place to be. Um, Thank you. I'm loving it. So, yeah, good. <laughs> that's good. It's you know, it's not always easy. <laughs> But it, uh, if you stick with it, it just it continues to get better. So um, really grateful that you uh, have found us and uh, us, meaning all of the wonderful people in sobriety, because there are really some truly amazing people. And it is funny. I love how you said, um, you know, you thought you were original. I think we all did. But I, my story is very similar to yours. <laughs> so um, we all thought that, you know, we could handle it, but, you know, we, we learn better. So um, the, the um, I would like to start uh, to have us all uh, talk about codependency, and um, I did find online a questionnaire, again from that same website, um, a questionnaire about questions to, to identify signs of codependency. 
And um, I hate to, do, to, to pop this on you, but Jean or Catherine, would you like to go through the questions um, so, since I feel like I've been talking forever already? Do you want, this is Jean. Do you want me to just read them? You don't want me to answer them sure. for myself, I hope. <laughs> yeah, no, not right. Okay. No, no. Why don't you read through them and just so, you know, the listeners and all of us can, you know, get a sense of, um, you know, what the the questions that they, they use to identify codependence, and then we can all talk about, you know, our experience with it. Okay. So I'm going to read a list of questions for your, uh, our readers and each other. And the idea is that if if you identify with several of these things, then you may want to look into codependency as something you need to learn more about. So here we go. Do you keep quiet to avoid arguments? Are you always worried about others' opinion of you? Have you ever lived with someone with an alcohol or drug problem? Have you ever lived with someone who hits or belittles you? Are the opinions of others more important than your own? Do you have difficulty adjusting to changes at work or home? Do you feel rejected when significant others spend time with friends? Do you doubt your ability to be who you want to be? Are you uncomfortable expressing your true feelings to others? Have you ever felt inadequate? Do you feel like a bad person when you make mistakes? Do you have difficulty taking compliments or gifts? Do you feel humiliation when your child or spouse makes a mistake? Do you think people in your life would go downhill without your constant efforts? Do you frequently wish someone could help you get things done? Do you have difficulty talking to people in authority, such as police or your boss? Are you confused about who you are or where you're going with your life? Do you have trouble saying no when asked for help? Do you have trouble asking for help? And do you have so many things going at once that you can't do justice to any of them? So if if I, you feel like I just described your life... Uh, then this show is for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jean. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know about you, but I was checking off as you were reading down the, the reading down the list, and I, you know, what's funny is I think I, I could check yes for half of them, definitely, and it actually no for some of the other ones. So maybe I've, I've actually done some work on this already. So, <laughs> how about, um, but let's, let's, let's um, go through and. Um, See what everyone else thinks. Chrissy, did did any of those questions resonate with you? Um, a large majority of them. Um, and I think, with, like you, there's probably half of them. There's a few that that don't fit, but the majority do. <laughs> um, I know until about three months ago, I, I don't think I'd ever even heard the term codependent. And if you had told me I was codependent, I would have laughed in your face. Um, it wasn't until I started learning more about it and I you know, started reading um, The Codependent No More by Melody Beattie that it just it resonated. And, and going through all of the checklists and all of the different things that are in there, I was able to highlight, highlight almost every one of them as applying to my life. It was just eye-opening. Yeah, I had I, I had a, a similar experience with uh, actually again Melody Beatty, the language of letting go. Um, I I actually my sponsor referred me. I had a situation where my boyfriend that I was with when I got sober broke up with me on my 89th day of sobriety, and I completely fell apart. I didn't drink, but I completely fell apart at the seams. And my sponsor gave me this one reading. And um, it turned. I didn't even know what book it was from, but I read it, and then I hunted down the book because it resonated so much with me. And 
I found that um, it just the book was extremely helpful to me. And uh, as you people have heard, I quote it on the show all the time. Um, but Catherine, how how about you? How, do any of the questions about um, do any of those questions resonate with you, or how do you feel codependency has impacted your life? Yeah, I mean, this has been a really big awakening for me, um, and it's actually pretty challenging to take a look at. I have started the book Codependent No More by Melody Beattie uh, a couple of times, and every time I, I have to sort of put it down because it's it's hard to read. That's how close to home <laughs> it hits. Um, mm. I definitely agree my experience is – um, consistent with what we said earlier that it's a generational thing um, I also was you know, a major workaholic and this idea of having an exaggerated sense of responsibility I, I feel like that fits in so well with what we talked about last week about perfectionism because mm-hmm. I took all that on the, the workaholism and um, you know feeling like a martyr and feeling helpless in everything that was going on um and and that what i'm learning is that this is this subtle way of controlling other people and also not taking responsibility for what was happening in my own emotional um life so i'm trying to think of some examples but you know like so my my ex-husband had uh was an active alcoholic and you know, and that was at a time when I was not acknowledging um, my own alcoholism. But, you know, I was always doing all the working. I He, he was in and out of work, you know, rarely employed, but I did all the housework. I did all the shopping, all the cleaning. And it would be like, you know, why doesn't anybody appreciate me for this? And he, sh- it for me, codependency takes on a lot of the word should you should do this, he should do that, mm. he shouldn't do this. Like, um, you know, he really, I'm going to wait for him to apo- reach out to me to apologize because he should, he owes me an apology. It's that sort of, you know, trying to control what others are saying, doing, thinking, feeling without looking at myself. Um, and I feel like that's, sort of playing God, right, so for, for what they're going to do. And, and the thing is, too, is that I, what I'm finding is that it, all of this stuff that we're describing tonight actually appear in really subtle ways. Um, it, it got less subtle over time, so I'm, I'm just kind of looking back on some of the notes. That first part that you read, this chronic anger, lying, dishonesty, poor communication, that was definitely me towards the end. That's really wrapped up in my alcoholism too. Um, But dishonesty in the form of how do I really feel? Um, You know, so if my husband says like, do you want to order Chinese food? And I say, no, I'm not in the mood for Chinese food. And then he kind of makes a big pitch to order Chinese food. I I become like, devastated because I'm actually putting myself out there to say, no, I don't want Chinese food, when normally my codependent way of being would just be like, sure, whatever you want. And when I was Mm. thinking about some of the (laughs) subtle ways that this comes through, I was thinking about this boyfriend that I had um, 
and as this never it was the most codependent relationship of all time it feels like and I remember we were out at dinner one time and the the dish that he ordered was this ter- chicken or no turkey in tarragon sauce and he got it and he was kind of picking at it and I said what's the matter and he said I don't really like it I I didn't realize I don't think I like tarragon and I said and this is what I said oh that's my fault I should have told you what tarragon was and I should have let you think about whether or not you like it. And the words, and this was, this was many years before I got sober and the words came out of my mouth. And I remember thinking like, this is my fault that you don't like tarragon and that you didn't know what tarragon was when you ordered the tarragon turkey. For me, that's codependency, like right there, the tarragon turkey. Um, so yeah, this, Needless to say, I qualify. I'm Catherine. I'm both an alcoholic and a codependent, so I belong <laughs> here tonight. <laughs> I can certainly identify with that. I did. <laughs> I love that story. I know. <laughs> I, I, you know what? You know what's funny? Um, I like how you, when you said it was, it's a subtle thing. I didn't even recognize it until I started paying attention to it. And there's things like apologizing yeah. for just the same type of thing that you were saying, like for someone else's actions, like somehow somehow it's my fault when, you know, I, and I don't, it, and it's automatic. It's a learned behavior. It's something, it's, it's, a, it's something I actually have to consciously not do. Like I have to really, mm-hmm. and like you, like you said, like you know, conscious, and I can see why you would get upset, like saying, "No, thank you, I don't like Chinese. I hate Chinese food." I, I, I but I, if someone would say, "Do you want to go for Chinese?" I'd be like, "Oh yeah, sure, that's that's great." And I and I would right. go there and order, you know, like rice because it was the only thing on the menu that I, that I would like because I just, I, well, I, you know, but um, but just always I, wanting to please people. That's right, and I feel like that's a form of dishonesty, like, you know, to keeping quiet about not liking Chinese food just to avoid an argument, and then in, in my case, becoming further devastated if I actually poke my nose out of the foxhole and say something. Um, and, you know, I was, I was thinking about how this ties in with my alcoholism and that kind of chronic anger, so some wreckage that I have to, I'm I'm actually getting ready to to clean up from um, my drinking days is with this friend of mine who she moved overseas and she was having a really hard time. And I, and I wrote her a letter every week and sent cards and I checked in all the time. And I was really like worried about how homesick she was. And then she, she got really wrapped up in her job and she was working all the time and she never, called back she never responded she didn't seem to appreciate that I was sending her all these cards and um I was just devastated about that but instead of saying like hey where are you you know I'm I'm worried about you and I know you're working so hard and having compassion for her situation I waited until she was home in the states and got loaded at a party and blasted her about it like you know what a what a jerk she was and how selfish she was and wasn't i you know all i cared about was how you felt overseas and i was so worried about you and i did all this stuff um 
and it was only because I was drunk that I had the, that sort of loosened my, you know, avoidance of arguments, my, my dishonesty about how I really, the fact was that I, my feelings were hurt and I felt abandoned, which is, I don't feel like I have value, so I feel abandoned. And now instead of expressing those feelings, I am going to blast you. And it irreparably harmed our relationship. I mean, we're on, you know, reasonably friendly speaking terms, and we spoke about it via email shortly, you know, several months, I'd say, after it happened, but this was a few years ago. So I owe a pretty big-time amends. But that's a that's an example of how the codependency kind of tied into my drinking. Well, you know, I don't I, know if that that's... Was, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, I, I, I didn't really with anyone. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, I think it was Chrissy who wanted to say something. Was that you, Chrissy? I was just saying, yeah, for me, it, it was always just a little bit different in where I didn't want to make the decision, but when somebody else would make a decision I didn't like, I'd be really mad. And I would be yeah. why don't they ever think about what I want, but I would never be willing to say what I actually wanted. Um, hmm. I, I do it a lot with my husband even to this day. And, like, with him, I feel like I get so mad at him because – he doesn't. He knows nothing about our finances. He knows nothing about you know how to do anything around the house, or he doesn't call to get the estimates, you know, to get the new AC unit. But I don't let him do it, and then I'm mad at him because he won't do it. But he can't do it as well as I can. Only I can do it well <laughs> enough. Um, yeah. You know, no one does it as good as me, and I carry that to my work sometimes. You know. I send them to people I supervise, you know, I'm like, well, just let me just do it myself. I'll just do it myself. That way it's done right. And it's teaching them nothing, but then I'm getting it perfect the way I want it. Um, so those are, those are the things I'm working on. And the, the other thing with the codependency, and I used to brag about this, thinking this was a really good thing, I would say, you know, I'm, I'm just really intuitive to people's feelings. Like I, when they're mad, I just take it on myself and I get mad too because I'm just so empathetic. Um, no. <laughs> and and I, I'm I'm learning that that's not really a good thing. Um, so working on that definitely with my husband too. <laughs> um yeah, it's um it's it I, I find it very um it's very hard or I used to find it really hard to stand up for myself or anything and I would do the same type of thing no one else would no one else can do it as good as me. I'm going to do it myself. Um, and it's, it, it, had never, it never dawned on me that I was, you know, just controlling everyone around me when I was doing that. Um, how about you, Jean? Have you, have you had any experience with codependency? Um, well, I didn't realize that I did, but I found out recently <laughs> that, yes, <laughs> I know all about this, as a matter of fact. Uh, I thought codependency, and I'm talking like, three years into sobriety, I thought codependency meant spouse of alcoholic, enabler of alcoholic. That's what I thought it meant. And I never read anything about codependency because I thought that was other people, like the other half of what I am. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I was shocked when uh, I found out that it meant nothing like that at all, really, that, I mean, it it can describe spouse of, but it's not the label for spouse of alcoholic. It's about a behavior pattern that emerges 
um, in in that family dynamic and other family dynamics. So then I got real interested in it because, oh, well, now we're talking about me. So now I'm interested. <laughs> now I can learn from this. Because, <laughs> you know, if it's not about me, <laughs> I'm sorry to say that, you know, uh, not that I'm completely self-obsessed, but, you know, I'm really interested in learning about how to be a better person. And so I honestly, I just thought that was, you know, I thought it was like cat people, dog people. I'm a dog person. It's for cat people, you know. I thought it was for someone else. So um, here's here's what I've learned about myself. Um, y- yes, this all really resonates. I would say at least half to two-thirds of, of some of the things that you read uh, do definitely uh, ring true for me. And yet I wonder if... Uh, the codependency um, can start from a situation like that um, uh, and, and can be passed on through the generations as just uh, uh, a behavioral learning that we're taught. Uh, so, um, say, and I don't know if this is true, and I'm, I've been trying to find it um, this week and getting Randy for this show, but... I think I behaved very codependently, and I think I, when I look at these lists, I would say that I see a lot of these behavior patterns um, in some of my aunties and you know some of the other women in my family that were very influential on me. They were always doing things for other people, always volunteering, always being very selfless, and and um, but not quite in a Mother Teresa way, you know, and. And so I think those patterns can be, as Catherine said, very subtle and be passed on in that way. Um, so, I was, so can, like, can I ahead. ask you a question? This, this is yeah. Catherine. I just have a question. So what then do you think is the difference between being truly selfless and sort of giving and being codependent? Like when is it being nice and when is it codependent? Well, I think I'm starting to understand this, and I'm not an expert. So based on the little bit that I've learned quite recently, I really think it's the motive. So if mm. the motive, if I'm doing it because it matters how it makes me feel, because I need to be in control of what goes on in that situation, so I'm going to go in there and I'm going to help because no one else can do it right but me. And also mm. I want the I want the daughter points. I want the good girl points for doing it. Um, I It's all about me, right? And when mm-hmm. you're truly kind, you know, I'll give you an example. A while back, um, uh, I was I was really kind of annoyed with my dad over something that had happened. And my mom was away on a trip, and I'd made some muffins, and I was taking these muffins over to my dad. And I stopped on the doorstep, and I realized that all the way over there I'd been thinking that you know, these are really amazing. Like, they were like fresh peaches with cream cheese centers in these muffins. I mean, they were to die for. And I thought, oh, he's going to be so impressed when he has these, and he's going to realize that I am amazing, and he's wrong to even be mad at me. Like, these poor muffins had the weight of the world on their shoulders because <laughs> these were very redemptive muffins, you know. So much was wrapped up in this. And I just stopped before I rang the doorbell, and I went, hang on. He may have the flu. He might throw these muffins in the garbage, want, n- think they look disgusting. He may not like the, how they taste. 
It's not about the muffins. I've got to stop right now. I'm here to do a kind gesture, and my only purpose in being here is to do something kind for my father. I'm going to drop off some muffins I baked. And that period is what I'm here to do, and it means nothing mm. more than that. And that in that moment, it flipped from being selfish to selfless, or at least giving, you know? Right. It, so I think... Some people don't need to be mindful. Some people are naturally giving. They're, they're, but, but those of us that have our identity wrapped up in the gold stars and the scratch and sniff stickers that other people give us, we really need to be mindful of the, the why behind our action. So that's just that's where I'm at in terms of this lesson, and and I think that's on track. I think it's on point. If I'm if I'm wrong about that, we'll have to do a follow up show. <laughs> But I want to tell you, I was on this long car ride a couple of years ago, like my first summer of sobriety, and we go to this lake that's about seven hours away, and the kids were watching um, uh, Big Bang Theory on the you know the car DVD system, so I could hear it, but I couldn't see it because I was in the front seat. And there's this scene. I don't know if you're familiar with the show, but it's you know it's a funny show, and and this uh, fellow's mother was coming to visit, and she was this renowned, um, I don't know, you know, researcher of behavior. And as she was coming in, she runs into his girlfriend on the steps. And as they're walking up the steps, this mother uh, is t- chatting with this girlfriend for the first time. And, and, <laughs> and by the time they get to the top of the steps, she has the girlfriend in tears because she's assessed her past and told her, you know, oh, you're completely <laughs> codependent. And, and anyway, she said, oh, you're an actress. She said, um, well, you have an external locus of identity. That means that you only value yourself as others see you, um, and your identity is all wrapped up in what other people think of you. You don't think anything of yourself. You only think of yourself as others see you. And so I was in the front seat, and I heard this you know, scene, and I was like, oh, my God, I started writing it down. <laughs> Instead of watching the show and thinking it was funny, I was, you know, hearing the truth of that statement and thinking there's actually some theory behind this way that I am. And so I, I actually like got home. I watched that whole episode on online, and then I started researching what it all meant. <laughs> and it comes back to your identity being wrapped up in other people. And that's mm. when I really kind of started to develop an awareness that this was what was normal for me was perhaps not normal, not healthy at all. So uh, what I learned from that, and then I'll let you move on, um, narcissism is really kind of wrapped up in um, codependency. And narcissism, I always thought, just meant straight-up vanity. You know, can't take your eyes off yourself in the mirror. But I think what it really means is that you, you think that everything is a reflection on you. So if my kids are behaving badly, that's a reflection on me as a mother. If my house is, um, you know, if the flowers out in front of my house have weeds in them, that's a reflection on me as a human being. That's a reflection on my worth. And to believe that even the way that others treat us is a reflection on our value rather than on their behavior. So, Catherine, you said you were really devastated by a friend. That was really common for me, too. People would devastate me all the time because I would just be so heartbroken um, if they, you know, did something hurtful or even if they just sort of said what they wanted. Like if if I said I didn't want Chinese food and they said they did, I'd be like, oh, my God, 
sound please. Right. You know, I wouldn't vocalize it, of course, because I wouldn't want to argue, but I'd really be hurt that, man, I would never say I wanted Chinese food if someone else said they didn't want it. I would, I would never speak my mind like that. And so I was so caught up in my own pattern of not really being honest that I kind of expected other people to treat me the same way, and then I was disappointed <laughs> when they didn't. So anyway, that's a lot of talking for me, um, but that's... I, I guess I'm excited that there's just so much to learn here, and and it's so helpful. That's what gets me excited about it is that since I've been working on this, I just have, oh, my gosh, so much pressure has come off myself, and I'm getting closer to so much more peace as I learn about this and realize that, you know, I, I was really hard on myself unnecessarily. So... <laughs> <laughs> And that that's and that's a whole part of it, isn't it? <laughs> right, being really hard on ourselves and super critical, hypercritical yeah. of ourselves. Um, and, um, you know, it, it's it's funny because you know I'll 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 read this this next little excerpt, but um, one thing I was I was talking to a friend about this last weekend, and you know um under this is such a huge topic i mean we're you know anyone who's listening tonight we're just touching on this and um well you'll hear well i'll i'll read this and then say what i have to say so you know um this is again from that website they just had great information um and i'm going to read the website again and i'm going to put a link on our um on the bubble hour but it's mentalhealthamerica.net uh forward slash codependency um uh, but so they said so now with that we've talked about what it's like for us what can we do about it and the first step in changing unhealthy behavior is to understand it it is important for codependents and their family members to educate themselves about the course and cycle of addiction and how it extends into their relationships because Codependency is usually rooted in a person's childhood. Treatment often involves exploration into early childhood issues and their relationship to current destructive behavior patterns. Treatment includes education, um, experiential groups, and individual and group therapy through which codependents rediscover themselves and identify self-defeating behavior patterns. Treatment also focuses on helping patients getting in touch with feeling feelings that had been buried during childhood and on reconstructing family dynamics. The goal is to allow them to experience their full range of feelings again. So what I was going to say about, like, talking to my friend about this is it, it's it's great to understand these things, um, but there, it's a lot, and it really is something I really feel, for me, that this is something that comes from, you know, the earliest memory of childhood. This is um, a behavior that I learned. And, you know, as much as I understand this, it's still it's a constant challenge for me to um, identify when I'm behaving uh, with, co- you know, using codependent behaviors and trying to address them. Like, you know, Catherine, your story about the friend, um, you know, I was going to ask you, like, did the friend turn to you and say, like, who asked you to send me those letters? Like, we do these things. Um, one thing I've learned about codependency is, you know, we, we it really does have a huge impact on relationships, and it's, um, but and, but we completely bring it on in on ourselves, and that it's so frustrating to me, like, 
to be aware of something, but it, it really does, I think, take a lot of work to change some of these behaviors. Some of the, the harder ones, like, you know, Catherine, you said it was very painful for you to read that book. This is tough stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do recommend in all the literature that I read that, you know, getting getting help because this this does come from so early on. Um, I would say... For me, it goes to my biological father, who was out of my life by the time I was five. Um, that's where a lot of this behavior was learned. So I, I think it also speaks a lot to, you know, they they talk about um, alcoholism and addiction being, you know, having some genetic roots. And I think some of that could be, is it really, you know, it makes me wonder, is it really genetic or is it just a learned behavior from so early on in our childhood? Um, so that's just a couple of thoughts I had on that. <laughs> um, but it's it's for me it's it's it, this is um, it's a big topic, and I I, I feel that I, I constantly have to be aware of my codependent behaviors. And and you know when we listed off the behaviors, I I could really rattle, um, you know, agree with pretty much all of them. Um, did, Chrissy, do you have um, any? Did you know what have you done? Have you de- taken any, I know you're early in recovery and look new to this concept, but um, and you've spoken to your therapist. Do you, what do you do um, or what tools do you use to try to address your codependent behaviors? Yeah, um, well, I'm still in therapy, and I've learned, I'm learning that um, my codependency and alcoholism are going hand in hand. Um, as I'm working on one, it's, it's helping me to work on the other. Um you know, I've been reading a lot. I've, I think I've downloaded every one of the, the Melody uh, Baby books, um, reading those. The first time I read um, Codependent No More, like I said, I went through and just highlighted everything in there that that just hit me when I first read it, that that um, I read through it pretty fast and just, just highlighted it. I'm going back through it again with the workbook, um, and I'm going to spend time actually thinking through all the things I highlighted. Um I'm kind of a researcher, analytical person, so I have to read it all, think it through, and, and, and figure out how to apply it. So I'm working through that. Um, I'm starting to journal and, and make note of when I'm engaging in codependent behavior. You know, when I'm getting uh, you know, mad at my husband for not doing something, I stop and I just ask him to do it. Um, instead of, you know, he can't do it or he can't do it right, I just say, hey, would you call so-and-so and set up an appointment? And I'll let him handle it. And, I, and I'm learning to just kind of step back and take a deep breath and, and let other people handle things sometimes. Um, that's really hard. Um, I'm learning that it's okay to say no, that I don't have to be the yes person at work. I don't have to do everything. Um, when people give me a compliment, I'm learning to just say thank you and walk away. Um, these aren't These aren't easy things and every day, you know, I was I was reading through the list. I'm actually sitting here um and one of the ones where you worried about other people's opinions of you and, and I'm sitting here knowing that I'm nervous. My face is blood red. I'm shaking and I'm like, I'm never gonna listen to this podcast because I don't want to hear what I sound like and oh my God, what is everybody gonna think? And you know, that's that's the codependent side and it's the you know what, take a step back and it it's okay. Um and just just learning to be okay with, with those things, learning when it happens. I can't stop it every time, and I, but when I do engage in those behaviors, I sit down and, and I think through what happened, why did it happen, 
and how can I prevent it in the future? And I'm just trying to take those steps. You know, one of the things um, you said, Amanda, you know, your father was out of your life. You know, my, my, both of my parents were out of my life. Well, my mother out of my life by the time I was three. I saw her a few times um, throughout life. She actually died of cirrhosis when she was 43 years old. Um, my yeah. father was very absent and was very, um, uh, he, he stood me up all the time. You know, he, he was always letting me down. And I always thought that that didn't affect me. I wasn't a victim. I had risen above that. And I'm learning that even though I was able to get out of those situations, um, it does still affect me. So I am having to go back through and reevaluate those relationships. And, you know, today's Father's Day, and, and I'm not calling my father today, and I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, and I'm learning to be okay with my feelings and accepting them. Um, and at some point, I may call him. But if I don't, I'm okay with it. And so those are the things that just really working through and learning to evaluate my own feelings and listening to what I want and what I feel. And it's it's selfish at times, but I think you have to be selfish sometimes. Um, so that's that's what I'm doing to work on my codependency. Um. That's fan. Well, you know, it, that's fantastic, and um, you know, and it's it's really just standing up for yourself, right? <laughs> like for your for, absolutely. Um, and and sometimes that involves standing up for yourself to yourself, um, because right. I think we do. I know I'm a victim of myself more than I'm a victim of anyone else. If that makes any sense, um, I'm a victim of my own thoughts. Um. Oh, I keep I having and actually, you know, you said something. I I, I jotted down the um, the word delegation when you were talking about work. There's a if you there, you know, there are always or a lot of places I've worked, they'll have you know different courses on doing different things, and one that always seems to come up is delegation. And I think the inability to delegate, which is very strong in me, <laughs> um, is is that's a codependent behavior. Um, because it's really, it, you know, it's. It, I've had to work really hard on letting others do things and just saying, you know what, they might not do it the way that I would do it, but they're getting it done and I need to be just happy with how they do it. You know, as long as it measures, you know, it has to, they can't just do a, a terrible job at it, but, you know, they it, in in my past, it's been that no one's going to do it as good as me, so I have to do it. That's very controlling and an, uh, and unhealthy, um, and not very productive. To, you know exactly. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how about you, Catherine? I know the the work that 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 can. Uh, I know that rings right there. You and yeah. I are very similar in that regard. Actually, Absolutely. I think we all Gina's too. <laughs> <laughs> everything everything that Chrissy said and I mean, you know, Chrissy it's just it's it's so great to see you um you know, emerging on this sober path because you've got a lot of wisdom there and everything that you just said really Thank I was you. nodding the whole time. Um so that was definitely me. Um some additional ways that I'm figuring out how to deal with this. A guy I know who has like thirty five years sober said that in his mind, the first step that any of us have to take to commit to sobriety is just don't lie. And what that means for me and what I'm figuring out is don't lie about how you're feeling. Don't lie about what you need. 
um, particularly lying by omission because you're, you're afraid of what people will think of you. So, for example, you know, we get a lot of questions from people in early sobriety who will say, well, you know, it's my best friend's birthday party this weekend and how can I go? I'm really uncomfortable because it's going to be at, you know, our favorite wine bar. And how can I go? How, I can't say that I can't go because she's going to be upset. Well, just don't lie. So what that means for me is, you know what, if I'm not comfortable and if it's going to be a problem for my sobriety, then I'm not going to the party just to make sure that she feels okay. You know, mm-hmm. um, it, it it can mean, um, yes, delegating, which means I need help. It can mean asking for what I, for what I need. Um, and the other thing is, is just to, there's, there's a saying that, that you can learn in the recovery community about staying on your own side of the street. And that has been really big for me at the very beginning when I got sober, um, you know, my, my husband and I had, you know, a bunch of things were kind of in crisis and he had some of his own stuff going on as well. And, and I think I was just always trying to, you know, quote, quote unquote help. Like, why doesn't he just do this to fix the problem? Or why doesn't he do that? Why won't he talk about this? Um, because I was both utterly controlling and emotionally unavail- unavailable at the same time. <laughs> um which I think it was kind of mentioned in this codependency literature that you were reading, um, that that's kind of a characteristic. So at the time when I decided to get sober, I think it's fair to say that I didn't know where our relationship was going, but I just decided I was going to stop trying to control outcomes and I was going to stop trying to control him and let him deal with his stuff and I was going to deal with mine. And that has taken huge pressure off. And so it's sort of like just letting, and also letting people do what they're going to do, even if that's disappointing or even if we think it's ill-advised or (laughs) if we think there's a better way or if we think it's hurtful. But you know what? Like letting people do what they're going to be who they are. Um that can really put a much clearer lens on how to deal with with life. Um, so staying on my side of the street and, and working through all of this in the ways that I did not ask for what I needed and I was I didn't let people be who they really are um, by trying to control their actions and their feelings. Just getting all those fears out on the table and sorting through them has kind of been the interesting <laughs> process of recovery for me. And, and that all, I think, is, is tied up with this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, something in what you just said there, letting people be who they are um, and also go through their stuff and feel their own their their own things. I know one thing for me that I really try or I, I to do is you know have you do you ever feel like you know like owning other people's feelings like if someone's upset 
it's like, oh, I need to fix this. I need to fix them. And definitely, um, yes. I had dated someone who was upset. All, all, you know, would get upset. You know, had just things going on in their life, and you know, um, I had to work really hard at just saying, you know, did I, you know, if they were in, you know, not talking or in a bad mood, and just saying, you know, are. Uh, are you okay? You know, not even so much. Are you know? Did is there? Did I do? It, does this have anything to do with me? And you know, when they would say no, accepting that and then just going about my own business, like okay, mm-hmm. I'll you know I'll let you you know sort this out yourself. That's hard to do. It's really hard. You know, that was well, it was really hard for me to do. I should say. Um, but you know, knowing that you know how other you know. Like you said, keeping on your own side of the street and, you know, what other people are feeling is none of my business. You know, whether that um, that's a recovery concept that's really hard to practice for a codependent such as myself sometimes. Um, how about you, Jean? Do you, did uh, anything that anyone shared here resonate with you? Oh, everything. In fact, I just wrote down what you just said, Amanda. Does this have anything to do with me? That's a great question to ask. Yeah, um, excellent. It, it, in fact, it's I, I'm ashamed to say it's one that doesn't often occur to me. You know, I just assume that I've done something, and I immediately feel bad about myself. I immediately go into self-criticism and compensation and... Um, which is really annoying for other people, I have to assume, right? When they just like want to mm-hmm. be dealing with their stuff, you know? So I'm, yeah, I'm like putting that in my toolbox. Like just to say, hey, do do I play a part in this? Is this, you know, do I need to, do I, do I need to, uh, does this have anything to do with me? Because if not, that's a, that's a really great thing to know, right? Um, uh, I guess I, I would have, have to, to say what I... But answer too, Jean. <laughs> yeah, right, listen. When they say no, you, you know have to what? accept I do, yeah, Go ahead. I, I do this thing all the time where I say to my kids, um, who are adults now, by the way, but you know, I'll I'll say, oh, hey, do you want? If I'm making supper, you know, oh, do you want uh, water or juice with the meal? And then I won't listen to their answer, and I'll be standing there with all the glasses in my hand, saying, okay, what did you guys say? <laughs> I asked a question. It was very important that I give an answer, and then I did not listen to the answer because I'm so wrapped up in doing everything. So, yeah, listening is is great. Um I guess what I want to say too, what I'm what I'm doing is learning and information is power, I think. And um someone posted recently on Facebook a, a quote, I don't know where it comes from, but it basically says if you're not willing to talk about something, you can't change it. And so, I've had to get willing to acknowledge these things in my life and um, to find someone that I can talk to about them so that I can work on changing them. So only recently I've started um, seeing a counselor to get some just some direction on dealing with this stuff. I'm certainly willing to make changes, but, you know, sometimes you need someone else to look at your life with fresh eyes to really help you see what you keep bumping into. Um, so I, I felt like I was had a lot of anger that I just couldn't express or address, and I wanted to get over that stumbling block. So I started going to a counselor, and and I think that um, a lot of these sort of codependent behaviors are being addressed through the course of that. So I just want to share with you one of the things that we've been working on that's been really helpful for me is just reviewing 
in my family of origin, that's what um, the, the smart people with certificates on their walls call, you know, your mom and your dad and your, you know, your siblings. The house you grew up in would be your family of origin. So every every family has a sort of an unwritten contract of this is how we behave, this is what we talk about, this mm-hmm. is what we don't talk about. These are the rules mm-hmm. of being a part of this family. And so she really helped me to identify what was what was the family contract that I grew up with. And then what, as I became an adult and have lived on my own for a very long number of years um, and been, you know, the, the mom of my household, what are the new code of conduct that I live by now? What, As I grew away from that family, what are the things that I value and that are important to me? And then what are the differences? Because a lot of the things I keep bumping into and a lot of the hurts that I keep having with people that are close to me are the difference between those old rules that they live by or that I grew up with and the new way that I am now and the expectation that they should have changed along with me. And Mm -hmm. expectations Mm -hmm. are resentments waiting to happen. You know it, yeah. (laughs) One of the best things we can do in recovery is really start to call ourselves out when we have expectations of other people or when we have resentments, right? I mean, that is such an important part of healing is is addressing all those resentments you have and then trying to curtail them by changing what expectations you have of other people. So that's been really useful for me. And um, uh, my counselor tells me the next thing that I'm the next stage. Actually, she said this to me at the end of our last session. She said, you know, we're going to get you to the stage of I don't give a bleep land. Um, I don't give a care sure. land. And I, my eyes yeah. open like as if she said, next week we're going to shave your head. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, I can't go around not giving a care. Like, I, I, can't, I can't not care what other people think. That would be, I cannot even imagine living like that. And she said, I know you're scared. But that's actually where you need to get to, to where you stop doing things you don't want to do and you start being really authentic in how you're acting. So that's that's what I'm doing to work on, on all of this. And uh, stay tuned <laughs> for the results. <laughs> It'll take more than a week. But but it, it's growing. And, and as we've said before on this show, you know, uh, a long and enlightened recovery, a long, slow, enlightened recovery is a beautiful thing to to mm-hmm. just not be in a rush, just to take it slow and, and learn the lessons and, and make the changes and really, you know, take it as it comes. Be easy on yourself. That's a really Definitely. good point, Jane. You know, because being in, you know, what's interesting is, you know, most, well, a lot of us, you know, we're, we survive, we get by in life and, you know, and there's plenty of people in the world that get by in life, but I think one of the beautiful things about being in recovery is we live in examine life. Like, I don't want to over-examine it necessarily, but, you know, <laughs> I you know, I do, I enjoy making small changes, and it has to be small changes because there's, you know, you can't change everything, and you don't certainly don't want to change who you are, although when you get into recovery, they do tell you that you're going to have to change everything, and that is most things but um i do you know small things where we can live a healthier life um a happier you know little whatever we can pick away at to live happier genuine life and just be good people i think are always a you know just such a positive i'm i'm anxious to hear how you your progress with it with that i i think i should probably sign myself up with someone too (laughs) (laughs) well 
it's been worthwhile. I was I wasn't really sure the value that I would get out of it, but right away I could tell. Oh, I mean, immediate relief and changes just started coming so fast when you're willing, right? I mean, right, I don't yeah. think therapy works that well for people that aren't willing to change. But in in once you're in recovery, you're you are willing to change. And in fact, she she said to me, "Wow," she said, "I love working with you. Like you're just you're so eager and open." And um, and that's not praise for me. Okay, that's not me being codependent and getting my gold star. <laughs> but I I think <laughs> I wanna I wanna um, acknowledge that openness and and that willing spirit that. People in recovery have, um, by and large, it, it's 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 a hallmark of recovery, and it just leads to such beautiful things. I have a this is Catherine. I have a question for Chrissy on that. I mean, does that feel true for you now that you're you know sort of several weeks into this, and are you feeling, you know, how are you feeling about the concept of all of these changes? I mean, stuff starts like moving fast. At least it did in my experience. Yeah, it's it's been amazing. Um, I think part of me is a little scared that, you know, something's going to go wrong um, but because it's just so great right now. Um, and, and not no, not every day is perfect. There are hard days, but I'm learning so much about myself. Um, and, you know, it's the whole cliche of one day at a time, but it's so true because every day I learn something new about me. I learn something new about recovery. Um, and... I'm trying to take it slow, like mm-hmm. learn a little bit each day so that I can start applying. And that's, I'm, you know, I'm a go-getter. Like I want everything done right now, perfectly today. Um, and I'm having to, to not have that attitude about it and just to take in what's happening each day and the new things and, and applying what I learned yesterday, today. And I think it's been really great. Um, and, and like um, Gina said, the willingness just being willing to do the work and make the changes and accept it has been um it's been eye opening. I think it's what's gotten me to where I am today. That is so great. I love that. Yeah, me too. Um well we are we're bumping up uh well we're over our time. Um, you know, trying to stick with our hour. So I guess why don't we um, wrap up? And does anyone, you know, do anyone does anyone have any closing thoughts that they'd like to add? Um, and uh, we'll just we'll start with how about you, Catherine? Well, I I was thinking that I for one think it would be very interesting to come back in six months and say, okay, how are we all doing on this? I think Jean is is right that if you can get somebody who can help you throw a flag on the play. Um, and identify when we're exhibiting some of these behaviors that can really help. And I I feel like I, for one, have so much more to do on this. It would be really interesting to see where we all are in six months. Um, there's just there's so much to unpack here. Yeah, that's, that's my great closing idea. thought. Okay. okay. I like that. Um, how about you, Jean? Do you have any closing thoughts? Um, well, I, I just can't help noticing, um, Chrissy, every time you speak, I hear this peace in your voice and, um, and just kind of a joy that uh, just comes through in, in, in your voice as you speak. And, um, I think that you just, you sound so 
good with yourself. And it's really lovely to hear. And I, I just am so glad you shared with us tonight. Um, it's it's really um, great for us to come back and talk to people in early recovery because I think we all identify with that. And, and the goal is always to get, you know, a lifetime under our belt. But But the lessons that we learn in those early weeks and months are really the foundation for so much healing. So I've just really, really enjoyed listening to you speak tonight, Chrissy, and I hope that our listeners, um, especially people that are in the first shaky, god-awful days where they're just really struggling or people that are contemplating this change, um, I hope they can identify that. I'm sure they can hear that piece in your voice and want that for themselves too. So uh, I just really celebrate that as I listen to Chrissy speak tonight. Thank you. That agreed. Yeah, I agree. I, this is Amanda Knight. I really agree with that. You can really hear it in your voice, Chrissy. And um, I have to say, too, I love that you discovered this whole concept of codependency early in your journey um, because I think for most of us, or you know, from what I hear from most people, um, I think the two go hand in hand often. I mean, I think more often than not. So, you know, the fact that you've identified it and you're addressing it early on, um, you know, to uh, you know, there's people who go years and don't see this um, as, you know, don't see the issue. So I think, you know, it'll help you a lot, and that's, you know, probably part of the reason why we do hear so much of the peace in your voice. But it is, it's great to hear it shines right through. Um, and that's without us even being able to look at your face and see, I'm sure, the big <laughs> smile on your face. Yeah, um, thank you. So, and, you know, that wasn't there a few a few months ago, so so it really means a lot to hear that. Thank you, guys. Love it. Um, so do you have any closing thoughts that you'd like to add, Chrissy, before we want wrap um, up the show? Yeah, just I, I guess just a couple things that, you know, I'm learning right now. And, you know, I guess if anybody this resonates with them is, you know, learn as much as you can about it. Um, be willing to, to learn more. Um, and learn, you know, it's okay to say no. It's okay to be selfish sometimes. Um, and that the biggest thing for me is no one um, can make you feel any way. Um, no one makes you mad. No one hurts your feelings. You allow them to do that. And I think learning that, has been my biggest um, accomplishment so far. Awesome! That is a huge accomplishment. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's um, definitely that's a big that's a big important one. Yes. Um, I love that. Thank you. Um, you know, actually, one thing and this popped into my head earlier when we were talking about the definition a definition of codependency too, and um, you know. A lot of people, and I know myself, and someone said it earlier, I forget who, so I apologize, um, but codependency, I used to think it meant um, what is actually um, an enabler. So there's there's a big difference. And, I mean, although, mm-hmm. you know, a codependent can be an enabler, but that, that was exactly what I thought a codependent was, is someone who enables an alcoholic or an addict. And... Um, you know, because they're in a relationship with one. And, you know, as I think everyone can see from listening to the show tonight, it's it's that may be a small piece, and, but it's really not what codependency is at all. Um, so I would encourage, um, as everyone has said here, anyone who um, who was in recovery to explore this topic a little bit and 
Um, we will post that the questionnaire to identify the signs of codependency on the Bubble Hours website. Um, if anyone would like to uh, check that out, um, and I, I do encourage people to, you know, address it. It's 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 there's a reason why in the de- definition of it that they talk about um, codependence often turning to drugs and alcohol, drugs and or alcohol to deal with their feelings. Um, so it's a it's a I think it's a vicious cycle, and you know whatever we can do to stop it and just to have healthier, happier relationships. Um, I know I have a long ways to go uh, to work on how I handle relationships, but since I've become aware, I think I've done, you know, I've done a lot of work to improve them, and it's uh, it's worth it. It's hard, and uh, sometimes it's really frustrating because you can see what's going, what's wrong and not necessarily be able to fix it um, right away, but with time, one day at a time, as you know, that you've heard the ladies say tonight, uh, things do continue to improve. Um, okay, so I am going to close the show, and I'd like to thank Chrissy for being on tonight. You've been a fabulous guest, and congratulations on your journey. Um, it sounds like you're doing fantastic, and um, we're very grateful for you for being on the show tonight. And thank you to Jean and Catherine, my wonderful co-hosts. Um, it's been great talking to you tonight as well as always. And so in our listeners, thank you for listening, our new listeners as well. Um, as Jean mentioned last week, you know, we really appreciate all the new listens that we have, and I hope that um, you people will continue to share the, um, the bubble hour with other people. Um, as it's really just something, you know, we hope we're just looking to help people. Um, So as we close the show tonight, we'd like to direct you to our parent organization, which is shiningstrong.org, and there you will find links to all of our resources, including the Bubble Hour and Crying Out Now, and links to some of our other initiatives in relation to recovery advocacy. And if you would like to go directly to the Bubble Hour's website, that is thebubblehour.com, and there you can listen to our shows directly from the website, or you can follow a link to, to subscribe to our podcast. And we thank you all again for listening to the Bubble Hour tonight, and hope you have a wonderful evening. Good night, everyone. Good night, ladies. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.